Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 220 with Danielle Weisberg and Carly Zakin of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Goes, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm your host coming to you live from hometown, homegrown, Melbourne, Australia, uh, recording this episode uh, late at night on a Tuesday night at 11.40 p.m. when I probably should be sleeping. Awesome. I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share earbuds with me. Now, let's talk about today's guests. Uh, This was a little bit of a tricky interview because we had two people and these are two absolutely incredible founders. Uh, It's their, their names are, you know, it's, we've got Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg. And these two ladies are the founders of a company called the skim. Now these guys are absolutely killing it. They're disrupting the media model um, where they, where they produce a newsletter, which uh, you know, it's an email newsletter company and, you know, they've, they've built up this massive, massive following. And one thing you'll find interesting is companies can measure when it comes, when it comes to media companies, you can measure the media company's success or influence by how much they can get that community to take action and these guys have been able to rally like tens of thousands of women and and you know skim readers to do all sorts of things and, and do all sorts of crazy things to you know support their vision. So, you know, I think 
this is a testament to the brand that these guys are building. It's a very, very interesting story. Tons to learn. Um, I anticipate that after listening to this podcast episode, there's a few things that you're going to want to go and roll out for your own company. Um, that's definitely the case for Founder as, you know, we're a media company too. And I, I learned a ton from these girls, amazing girls, in like such inspiring founders, especially for me um, as another, you know, media founder. So yeah, these guys have a lot to share on starting, growing, content, email, you name it. All right, guys, that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. All right, now let's jump in the show. Guys, the first question um, that uh, I asked everyone that comes on is, uh, how do you guys get your job? <laughs> well, we created our own. <laughs> yeah, we, we started the company, so we got to be co-founders. Um, I think, you know, we our background was we were uh, both producers for NBC News. We had interned and um, kind of grown up at NBC and, and worked in different areas of the news business and loved it. Um, ultimately just saw a void in the market between our friends indicative of the female millennial demographic educated um, leading uh, in so many different ways and in so many different decisions and they weren't really interacting with the news content that we were producing and we just saw this void between this audience that has so little time so many demands on their time and we were working in an industry that wasn't thinking about how they like to consume content or how that actually fits into their day-to-day. And so we created um, the, our company, The Skim, which makes it easier to live smarter. And we focus all, um, everything we do is, is focused around the female millennial demographic. And um, so we created our jobs as co-founders. And I think we had to really grow into our jobs as co-CEOs. Um, and that was something, you know, we're six years in, um, and that's something that each year becomes a different job description as the company grows. Yeah, amazing. And look, I, I, I'm very familiar with the scheme. I'm sure uh, many people listening right now in our audience would be. Um, but can you kind of just give us um, a little bit of an idea of, of how far you guys have taken the brand uh, in, in the past six years? Maybe some, some you don't have to share revenue numbers per se, but just like user base, um, how many people are reading the newsletter? Like, Yeah, sure. So uh, we have 7 million subscribers uh, to the Daily Give. We have a, a staff of over 70 people. Uh, we have a community of more than 30,000 ambassadors. Uh, we just closed a round of Series C funding led by Google Ventures, along with a group of mostly female investors like Shonda Rhimes, Tyra Banks, Sarah Blakely, who founded Spanx. And uh, we, uh, what else can I tell you? We've grown the company from the two of us on our couch to 75 people um, in a much, much, much bigger office that we are never <laughs> moving out of. Awesome. Wow. Well, this is incredible. So, Talk to me like about the early days, um, you know, oh, so you God. started, you started it from your couch, just the two of you guys, um, you guys, you guys still best friends. <laughs> yeah. We haven't yeah. killed each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's funny because someone on our, our team, um, one of our more junior employees the other day was asking like, Oh, so you guys actually hang out like outside of work. I, I think it's kind of funny that, um, people don't, think that like yes we we are friends we really talk to each other um we talk to each other even when we don't have to um but i think that 
you know, the backbone to this company, a lot of ways is the fact that Carly and I are very communicative with each other and very collaborative. Um, and there's no, you know, ultimate authority. There's no kingmaker for us. It's, it's, um, a company that we have formed and developed together. And that is the example that we want to set for our team, um, which is, it's better when you work together to challenge each other and to create stronger products and ideas. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so like when it comes to, I guess, the, like when you guys started, why, why an email newsletter? Cause I'm sure you guys get, get, get asked this, um, like why, why was that the forefront of, of, of what you guys wanted to start with? Yeah. So, you know, we never thought about ourselves um, as a, as a newsletter business, email for us was a marketing tool and it still is. We, we, you know, our product velocity very much is based around what are the routines of our audience of, you know, our target is female millennials. And then how can we integrate products into those routines? So email for us, it was very obvious. We first thing, you know, we do in the morning is grab our phone and you kind of scan your email for anything, you know, pertinent from your friends or family. So we knew we had to be a part of that early morning routine. And, um, you know, early on, six years ago, people really looked down upon that strategy and thought it was uh, out of date, thought it, it made no sense. And what we've seen is that we really set a trend for kind of a resurgence of how brands want to have a direct connection with their customer. I think what's differentiated us is that we took that direct connection with our customer and we did bastardize it. We have used that to expand um, how we talk to our customer rather than continuing to cloud their inbox with more emails. Mm, yeah. And when it comes to like sending the like email um, or the, the daily, you know, your day, getting your daily skim, um, I'm curious around how you guys have, have looked to monetize that. Um, because one one common trend as well is a lot of people say that you know, media companies are are dying. It's very difficult to monetize content. What are your guys' thoughts on on that whole side of things? So I think a, a few things, and I'm keeping in mind that your audience, um, as you said, are people that are are looking to start their own companies or are in the midst of it. Um, one decision that we made and, and probably the best piece of advice that we could have gotten starting out was, you know, with two of you and not a lot of resources, you can only be good at one thing. So either be really good at growing your audience and creating a brand or be really good at monetizing it. Um, and we picked growing the audience consistent with a brand and really solidifying that. So we didn't take any sponsorship um, and we didn't monetize at all until about two and a half years in. Um, wow. And when we did, uh, we actually introduced our first sponsor, which was the NBA. Um, and it, we did so with a note um, to our readers in the newsletter saying something like, you know, it was like, hey, we've got to eat. Um, we're going to start introducing brands that we like. Um, we think you'll like them to feel free to give us feedback. Um, and I think introducing it that way set the stage that, you know, we had to monetize, people really understood that. And we were going to do it in a way that didn't disrupt the experience, but tried to be additive. Um, so that's how we introduced it. And um, you're right, we've seen a lot of media companies um, in this day and age, really um, 
I think spend a lot of money on content and video creation, um, really go big in that and, and not be able to monetize it or not be able to look at profitability. Um, for us, it was really important from the beginning that we think through having differentiated revenue streams. Um, so we have native sponsorship. Um, we have subscription revenue directly through our app, which is $2.99 a month, and we can get it in the app store. Um, and we have um, affiliate revenue as well. We move a lot of um, commerce books, um, mattresses, efficiency products, um, the best things to use when you travel. Um, and these are all things that we try to weave organically into our user's day. Um, so when they're thinking about what to read, when they're thinking about what they really need to go into a summer weekend, um, that we're there and we're using our power recommendation to curate, um, but not to bastardize uh, the brand experience. And I think we're able to do that because we're not just solely reliant on advertising. Yeah, I think I think that's really smart. Um, you, you, I'm starting to see a lot of progressive media companies. They don't just rely on advertising, and uh, they have many different um, revenue streams. I'm really curious, like. Do you guys plan to to keep um, like adding, uh, I guess, or bolting on um, other revenue streams, perhaps even physical products or like having your own line? Like, because because really, because you have this brand, really, the world is your oyster. You can you can um, you know ha have all sorts of different products, whether it's physical or digital. It's um it's definitely you know the advantage of having a strong brand and that's something that we thought and we spend a lot of time building, um, but it also means we have to be careful about where we lend that brand and be really cognizant of where we have um, authority to to play, which spaces make sense for us. Um, also, as a startup, you have to be careful about resources and bandwidth and where you place your bet. So I see a lot of areas that we could potentially go into. Um, I think that the idea of commerce and fitting directly into people's routines, um, coupled with our ability to move things like book sales, um, is something that's really interesting to us. Um, we also have you know, a 30,000 persons ambassador program. So the idea of getting them together in live events is certainly something um, that we would love to explore down the road. Um, but we want to make sure that when we do these things, that we do it in a way that fits into the brand values um, and that we set it up for success with our team. Yeah, that makes sense. And I agree. Like, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when you when you do have a brand and you do have like a, a reasonable size audience, you guys have a massive audience. Um, the question is, you know, you, you can do so many different things uh, to, to grow this company. How do you work out the right thing? And like, uh, like, as you said as well, focus is key, but then at the same time, you know, you have to, to, to tread carefully on what resonates with your audience. So for any of our um, listeners that, that perhaps have are starting to build their brand, perhaps they're, you know, they're building, you know, a, they're doing a content play um, and they haven't like turned on any levers of monetization or revenue yet. Um, how do you know what it, what is right, what is wrong, and and, and how do you decide and, and what's going to resonate with your audience? It's a great question. I wish it was as easy as just to say as you know all this. You know, obviously, it was as easy as that. We'd all do the same thing. So I think you know it's very easy to get distracted by shiny objects. It's very easy to get distracted by partnerships that sound exciting that could lead to revenue. 
but you kind of have to assume that any partnership brings in zero revenue. So like that's, that's, you know, best case scenario is zero and you get, get surprised if something else comes from that. And I think as we would think about, you know, different opportunities that could bring in different revenue uh, or different brand opportunities, we would kind of always go back to what is our core value of what we do every day to our audience? How would our audience describe us? What is our value proposition to them? And how do we maximize that value? And I think kind of keeping that central focus is what has allowed us to get this far. And we've certainly been tested by that and, and it's much easier said than done. But that would be the best advice I would give to other founders is kind of go back to what are you best at, best at and how can you keep doing what you're best at? And then that will help figure help you figure out what are the expansion opportunities. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. It's amazing advice. And, and when it comes to fostering your community, that's something like something that you guys are very, very good at. Um, did you guys do anything strategically in the early days to foster your community? Uh, strategically, maybe, maybe <laughs> um, that's a generous word. Yeah. In the long run. Yes. Um, I think that the most strategic thing we did was recognize the importance of a community and um, so when we started, Carly and I, um, who are both really bad drivers, um, did our version of a uh, campus road trip um, where we drove to um, a few schools, universities in the area, and we would um, print out flyers and put them under dorms and pretend we were students and sneak into the cafeteria and wear our skin shirts and talk to them. And then when we were um, in New York, we would sneak into Equinox and Starbucks and leave skim uh, postcards and um, really just had this organic kind of guerrilla marketing approach. Um, and whereas now I would look at that as a strategy in the beginning, it was really using all of the resources at our disposal or at our disposal, which weren't many. And um, so I think that, Having a community form around us at that moment really built into the idea, built in the idea of hustle um, into the DNA of the brand. And that's been something that the community has really galvanized around. Um, and now our ambassadors talk about the next step they want to take in their careers and their lives. Um, and it's become in many ways a, a group of amazing women really rooting each other on. Yeah, amazing. And and when did you guys launch the ambassador program and how does that exactly work and how do you keep in touch with those guys? Cause I see, um, I do see a lot of brands using, uh, or not necessarily using that, but, but, but really, um, allowing certain people in their community to, to kind of give, give them like a badge of honor and, and be able, be able to go out there and, and kind of help evangelize your brand, push forward your mission because they're really passionate about the work that you're doing. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's funny because it, it sounds so strategic in hindsight, but as Danielle said, you know, it, it, it happened very organically. We, in creating the community early on and kind of responding to uh, to the organic uh, loyalty towards our brand and the organic connection our users had with our brand, you know, we had new people saying that they were brand ambassadors, so we just said, we'll call yourself a skin ambassador. And so... That immediately became uh, the, the moniker attached to it, and that formed over time into uh, different iterations and, and different different shapes over time of how big the program was, how big we wanted it to let it get, and you know I think there's been a few different ways that we've been able to to kind of uh, 
they take control over it and uh, foster it. So we certainly use Facebook and Facebook groups. We've been experimenting with Slack. One of our uh, hallmarks of our of our uh, uh, company is our No Excuses platform, which uh, you know when we talk about what the company has done, uh, it's, it's something we're probably the most proud of. We registered over a hundred thousand people to vote in 2016, and are working to get a hundred thousand people to show up and vote uh, this year in the, in the United States midterm election. Yeah, wow. And yeah, so part of uh, the efforts of doing that is actually relying on our community to be a part of that. So. Even recently, we've had 30 voter captains uh, come to our headquarters in New York and actually go through a training of how to be voter captains. Uh, we visited them, you know, on, on the ground. Uh, they've got it together organically. Uh, we have events for them called Sip and Skins, where uh, they're connecting to each other in their local communities. So I think, you know, what we've found is they're, they're bound together by a mission, uh, a shared uh, value system of what the mission of the skim is and, and what uh, the importance of, of living a smarter life is about. But their retention uh, in the program, you know, can be motivated by a lot of different factors. And I think that what's been amazing is to see their connections with one another. Yeah, amazing. And when it comes to like setting up this ambassador program, um, like, do you guys just, just have a Facebook group and you say, like, you know, become a, a scheme ambassador and, and they have to fill out a form or, or do they get added incentives or benefits? Um, like, yeah. How does that work? To be considered to be a scheme ambassador, you have to, um, refer 10 friends to the daily scam newsletter and then you get, uh, a skim tote bag. And um, in many ways, it's, it's our biggest um, referral engine or growth engine. Um, so we incentivize our community with different levels of swag. We've never um, put any of that product up for sale. Um, and we've had referrals into the thousands, um, and we've flown those people in to spend time with us at Skim HQ, and they get a trip to New York. We actually flew 30 of them into New York to spend time with a voter registration um, conference. As, as Carly talked about, we also created um, this thing called the B-List, which was the bucket list. And it was a way for them to lay out their goals for the year with each other um, and to root each other on. Um, they've raised money for ambassador teachers and local communities. Um, they've helped each other through definite hardships in, in their um, their personal lives. And actually one of my favorite anecdotes about them is they saved a wedding. Um, this woman was traveling and her sister's fiance left his wedding suit at an airport. Um, and she posted in this ambassador group if anyone there was um, traveling, happened to be in the airport or, or uh, close by. And this ambassadors as a group tracked it down, got it back and shipped it in time for the wedding. Um, so it was, it's amazing to see hundreds of people just come out of the woodwork and cheer each other on. Um, so there's a lot of ways um, that they connect and, and a lot of things that they offer us as a company. And, you know, they're our biggest um, cheerleading group and also our, our first critics when we're not living up to brand promises or when they think we could do better. And there's something that we really appreciate and we learn from. Yeah, wow, that's that's an amazing initiative. And you know, you'd say say um, how they're your like best critics as well. Like, has there been? Can you perhaps share a time where maybe you guys were were doing something that the community rallied and and said maybe that's not the right move? Has that happened before? 
You know, I think that they've been um, really vocal about um, a lot of things, whether it's, you know, we're asking them for advice on areas that we could grow, advice on partnerships. Um, they really chime in on people they think we should interview. Um, we open them up to AMAs um, to be able to ask mentors questions. And so I think that they're always pushing us to grow. Um, and to make sure that we're always thinking about ways to make it easier to be smarter. Um, and I think also, you know, when we look at the conversations that they're having, it's definitely indicative of a lot of the conversations that we're seeing on Facebook and social media. Um, and things get heated when you're talking over the internet. And I think that um, is something that we've had to learn and, and really think through community management. Like when it comes to growth, like what's next for you guys? Like, uh, what 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 is your what's your next focus? Yeah, so you know, I think for us, you know, it's been an exciting time. You know, post our fundraise and, and looking at you know how we've grown the company very strategically and thoughtfully. It's really it's been really to to ladder up to a member, becoming a membership business. And by being a membership company, we're you know we're focused on a very specific audience. Um, and you know, as we talked in our earlier in the conversation, that's driven by different revenue streams. And so we're really leading into subscription and subscription offerings and really looking at how we can make it easier to live a smarter life in categories outside of, of just uh, of just news. And so thinking about, you know, how do we make it easier to, to do adulting, so to speak, uh, in a very millennial way to say that. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was thinking, actually, um, where, as, as we were talking, because I'm a millennial, too, and 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 we're getting older, like, you know. <laughs> and we have different challenges now <laughs> and and i guess where we're going with this is is as as uh you know us guys get older i guess your audience like you is is getting older as well like founder has a very millennial audience as well and and kind of you have to in a way want to want to be able to stay on top of those uh challenges and and speak to them but at the same time, what about the the new generation of, I guess you know, um, uh, younger people that are coming into this world? And like, you know, I found like we we have someone that like we have we we said we I've been like you know hiring these these incredibly young kids that are like you know twenty one, and they are just like so smart. It's just crazy, and they and they have different challenges. So, how how do you guys plan to kind of like? I guess, speak to still the younger generation as we are getting older and, and millennials are getting older. And yeah, there's, there's a new wave, I think, coming through. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. We, we, we thought about this question, um, you know, early on when we started the business, you know, how, how, how would we address this? And, you know, with reserving the right to, to change our minds, of course, I will say that we've always gravitated towards, uh, you know, the example of sex in the city. <laughs> And we used to say that, you know, we were too young to watch Sex in the City when it originally aired. And there were a lot of people that watched Sex in the City that were out of their target demographic. And uh, then obviously there was the target demographic. So applying that, there's something aspirational about our brand on either side of the, the uh, target age range. And so we always say you can, you can age into the skin, but you can't age out. And I think what we've seen is that we're kind of a must-read or a must-have brand for a younger audience, uh, but that we also have been able to uh, start to expand with our audience and help them go through the next stages of their life. 
Yeah. Okay. I, and I look, um, I'd, lo- I'd love to switch gears. Just um, we have to work towards wrapping up. But when it comes to uh, one thing that I'm hearing a lot, and I'm sure you guys are hearing a lot in the marketplace right now is, is this thing around like how, you know, Facebook Messenger is the new email. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this and what's your take. You know, I haven't heard that necessarily, um, but we love anything that fits into routine. So we are a huge fan of, of anything that can make it easier to show up where we already are. And, uh, you know, I think that's why we're always a proponent of email. We're a proponent of text messaging, and we've inserted a lot of text uh, texting capabilities into our subscription app. Um, that's why our subscription app uh, began by integrating into your calendar, another routine. So uh, while we haven't ever heard anyone say that it's the new email, uh, we're definitely a proponent of uh, companies uh, figuring out new and innovative ways to, to tap into our routines in a, in a way that respects our privacy. Yeah. I, and I, I really, I think that, that your answer there just kind of shows kind of like why you guys are staying on the cutting edge because you're not locked down to just one particular thing and you're always open to change. Yeah, I think that um, we have created a, a specific brand with, um, you know, the mission statement of making it easier to live smarter and, and how that gets across is going to change as new technologies develop um, and as our routines continue to evolve. Um, and so we're always thinking about how we can leverage technology to make it easier to live smarter throughout our audience's days. Yeah, it's amazing. And and when it comes to, I guess, uh, growth and, and funding, um, I'd love to hear you guys just kind of just weigh in just for our audience um, because uh, sometimes, um, you know, people come to a crossroads like like you guys did when you started where do you decide to raise capital? Do you not to decide to raise capital? Um, and, and how did you guys come to that decision? Well, I think for us, um, you know, it wasn't really so much of a decision. We, we could not have afforded to start a company when we were 25 years old without, um, raising outside funding. Um, we were not in a financial position to be able to take that on. We went into debt to start the company. We had a few thousand dollars saved up between us. Um, but there really, you know, was not much of a, a safety net there financially. Um, so we really had to make sure that we were focused on specific metrics that would allow us to um, attract outside funding. Um, but I do think something for uh, entrepreneurs to look at is what type of funding makes sense for the company that you want to build and the goals that you want to achieve. Um, obviously, you know, we've gone down the venture capital route, but I, I think that there are, um, a lot of different options. And I think that, um, people should be honest with themselves about what type of company they want to start and how big can it get and how big do they want it to get before they think about or decide on which funding source is right for them. All right. Well, um, we'll work towards wrapping up, but, uh, kind of uh, where, where's the best place people can find out more about uh, the skim and, and you guys and, and your work? The skim.com, uh, the skim with two M's.com. And uh, well, obviously we're focused on uh, the U S elections right now. Uh, hopefully your audience will still find artwork interesting at the skim.com slash no excuses. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy and uh, yeah, this was awesome. There was a, quite a diverse conversation, but there's a lot of stuff that our audience will be able to take away. Thank you so much.
Thanks, Nathan. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.